This is Live Well Talk on Brain Injuries. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Any Point Health uh, St. Luke's. Uh, joining me today on the podcast to discuss brain injuries, Dr. Marie Bulbrek, a neuropsychologist. March is Brain Injury Awareness Month, and it was a good time to have her join the uh, alumni of the podcast and uh, talk about treatment and diagnosis of brain injuries. Marie, welcome. Thank you. This is your first podcast. Yep. <laughs> well, welcome. We, we are excited. Uh, we've had multiple podcasts before uh, and covered all the really cool things that happen up on rehab and I, the, the neuropsych team. Uh, we've had Dr. Tallman on before, and so we're really happy to have you. In your role as a neuropsychologist, typically, what, what, how would you define a brain injury and how is that diagnosis made? And when we talk brain injury, I think a lot of people, the first thing that they think of are traumatic brain injuries, the blows to the head, car accidents, uh, brain injury awareness month. We actually are talking even broader than that. We're looking at acquired brain injury, um, which means any injury or damage to the brain that would occur after, aside from development. Um, so things like stroke would also be considered brain injury. And I don't think a lot of people typically would think of that. Um, you know, lack of oxygen to the brain that can occur with um, heart attack, for instance, or near drownings would also be considered an acquired brain injury. Um, so we see just the whole gambit when you include all of the different causes of acquired brain injury. It's quite a vast variety that we get, um, you know, and most of them probably are what we would typically think of as the traumatic. So sports injuries, um, you know, and traumatic can be a blow to the head specifically, or what we also consider an inertial traumatic injury, such as if you are in a car accident and the car stops very suddenly, um, the, you, your head might not actually strike anything, but because of the way the brain is inside the skull, the brain can actually, through acceleration, deceleration, can hit the inside of the skull thereby causing damage to the brain itself. Right. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we can get into it later with uh, football, but I think part of the reason why we've seen an escalation in concussions is they've made the helmet safer. And so, you know, it doesn't, the old Rydell helmets, like when I played college football, you had a recoil when you hit, right? But now the helmet absorbs the impact and the brain keeps moving, you know, yep. and that's, that's my theory, but uh, we can... Yep. A little bit conspiratorial, but uh, but speaking of football and helmets and concussions, I mean, that's really, I don't want to say in vogue, uh, but I can't think of a better description that people started to recognize and talk about it uh, with uh, chronic traumatic brain injury and encephalopathy in the NFL and then into the college sports where, I mean, it's, it's unless you live in a state that has the SEC uh, football, uh, enrollment in football, junior football and high school football is going down significantly, uh, probably attributed to this awareness uh, and also the popularity of soccer too, that takes root. But uh, what has been your experience in your career as seeing that term uh, concussion and thinking about this traumatic athletic related brain injury? How have you seen that develop? It seems like it's being taken a lot more seriously than it used yeah. to be. Um, yeah. I know when I started off, there was a lot of the pull yourself up by the bootstraps, get back out there, shake it off. 
And we're realizing now that that really does a disservice to the athlete. Um, it can make recovery much more difficult and much more prolonged. Um, and so we're a little bit more careful to pull them out of play and slower to return to play than we used to be. Um, and I just think there's a lot more education going on amongst coaches, trainers, parents, everybody at this point. And I think it's a good thing. Um, there still is some misunderstanding. I still hear some people saying, oh, it's just a headache. It's not really a concussion. Yeah. And, you know, that that headache would be indicative of concussion. <laughs> um, and about 75 to 80 percent of traumatic injuries are what we would consider the mild category and a concussion is a mild brain injury. Right. A lot of people think that there's a difference, but there's not. Concussion is a mild brain injury. Yeah, I think the uh, I think we're, we we overcall it maybe a little bit uh, in sports right now, but I think that's better to err on the safe side than to have a secondary impact syndrome where someone, you know, uh, I mean, that's what happens. These kids that die during the football game. They got hit, nobody pulled them out, nobody noticed. Then they got the second injury within, and the brain swells. You know, I mean, that's and that's how it happens. So I think it's good that we've done that. And I've seen it change over my time. I, I cover as team physician for Co. obviously cover football. And uh, yeah, we take it a lot more serious than we did 10 years ago. And certainly, you know, 35 years ago when I played that, you know, you're absolutely right, walk it off, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you yep. just got your bell. Yep. You just got your bell rung. That's all. Yep. Just your bell just got rung. Get back out there. Yep. Which we and will. it's hard with some of these kids because I know I mean, I've got a teenager who plays soccer, and he's had a concussion. And I know the last thing that the teenagers want to do is sit on the bench. Right. Want to yep. get back out. They want to play. They want to do it. And I must say, I think the coaches and stuff are actually much better now about not allowing them to do that. Well, and it. Yeah, you bring up a good point. You know, part of that treatment of concussion is the ability for the patient to accurately tell you how they're feeling Mm -hmm. so you can develop a treatment plan. And if you have a kid that has secondary gain because they want to get back out and play, they're more likely to, you know, tell you a fib, basically. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Which is interesting uh, or challenging, I should say. Well, they, you know, they say Brett Favre, uh, he quit football. Because he felt fine, but he couldn't get his baseline score on whatever, you know, testing they use. I mean, there's several different vendors out there. You can test eye-hand coordination, et cetera, recall. Um, And uh, he could never, even though he felt fine, he never got back up to his baseline. And so he realized that it's time to quit. Yeah. I was, I I think about Steve Young when he got the concussion. He was the quarterback that followed Joe Montana at the 49ers and he he retired and everybody kind of chastised him for it well he probably saved his life oh yeah yeah but what what are the what is the most challenging aspect of a brain injury to recover probably some of the attention concentration that seems to be one of the more prolonged things that takes to get back um and that energy and fatigue also seems to lag quite a bit. Um, And and part of that is that we want to get back to our lives. And so we tend to push it a little bit. And the more you push it, the more you might have, you know, a backslide here and there. And treatment really is a practice in patience for everybody involved. Um, You know, it takes time and it takes as long as it takes. 
And for a lot of these mild injuries, the concussions, two to four weeks is realistically um, back to baseline, back to your normal routine, back to everything you want to be doing. But that two to four weeks can try the patience of a lot of people. Sure. Um, so you are curtailing a lot of their activities in the meantime. Yeah, that, that's tough for people to be sidelined. And I think it's hard for the brain injury. You can't see their their injury. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes you can. You know, yeah. you see the tunnel for towers and these soldiers that had these traumatic brain injuries. And it's obvious, but, you know, sometimes you can't see that. I had a friend in college that had uh, encephalitis one summer and missed a whole year of college and never really was the same. And it was very frustrating because he looked like the same guy, you know, but he never really had the same. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately took his life uh, later in life. But uh, um, so let's get to some positive stuff that happens up on Six West Rehab, which I know you participate in. Uh, now, the, the brain injury uh, assessment, imagine there's if you have a stroke and let's say there's some brain injury with it, you have the acute phase where you're up there. But then uh, does that can that continues on after they get discharged, correct? I mean, and how, right. how long would you possibly treat someone for a brain injury? It, it varies widely, but I would say the vast majority of people who discharge from the rehab unit do go on to um, outpatient physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Um, the treatment continues, there's no doubt. There's very, very few people who will leave and have nothing after that fact. Um, and it, it, it takes a while to get back. The initial recovery of ability is fairly quick all things considered. And then as time goes on, it starts to flatten out and plateau a little bit. But we can still see gains a year and a half to two years after the initial injury from a lot of people. So, you know, when people are three, four months out from injury, by our standpoint, it's still very, very recent. And there's a lot of potential still to come. Um, the person who's living it does not feel as though it's recent. They feel like it's probably been forever already. Right. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, but the important so, thing is not to lose faith because there's plenty of time so long as they're getting the therapy and all of the, you know, cognitive exercises, physical exercises, all of that stuff. They can make gains for quite a while into the future. Okay. So there, there is some optimism. Full recovery is possible. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, that's, well, that's, that's, that's good news. If nothing else, um, as human beings, I would like to think that we all continue to learn throughout our adult lives anyway. And so the individual who's had a brain injury can still continue to learn new things just like they would have anyway. And should there be any areas that are still difficult because of the injury, they, people can learn to compensate and work around those difficulties. Right. It is. It is. Now, sometimes you see with strokes, uh, patients will have a stroke, they have a deficit of the left side, let's say, and they recover. But then a couple of years later, they get an overwhelming pneumonia, all right, and they're in the hospital. And also their left side's a little bit weaker than their right during that time and recovers. Do, 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 can that happen with a brain injury where I get back to baseline, I'm doing well, but then I have another illness or other stress for my life and maybe some of my brain function is impaired? Is that possible? It is. The brain is a little more vulnerable down the road, um, you know, and it doesn't bounce back quite as easily from some very mild things that otherwise might not have caused any issues. And okay. the more severe the injury is to begin with, the more you would see that down the road. And I, I would 
I mean, I know you're going to recommend alcohol in, you know, moderation, et cetera, et cetera. But certainly post injury, alcohol would be something that should just be avoided. Mm -hmm. For at least we also people at least a year, no alcohol, no marijuana, no other illicit medic drugs of any sort. Um, you know, as clean as you can in that sense. Yeah, you want but, the brain to try to heal as healthy as possible. Well, you know, sometimes I'll say, oh, I, I, I bet the ER is really busy on New Year's Eve, you know, or the 4th of July. And I, the, the trauma surgeons will tell you, the ER doctor will tell you, it's the first nice Saturday in the spring, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. it gets out. So now with the warmer weather coming, uh, what, what are some recommendations from you to prevent brain injury as the warmer, as the summer months come to us? Patience. If pe- take your time. Because we see a lot of injuries where people are trying to climb up on the roof and pull stuff out of their gutters and they don't take the time to make sure the ladder is set correctly. And there's a right. lot of falls off ladders, falls off roofs. Um, if you're biking, there are a lot of accidents and head injuries with biking. So a helmet is definitely, I don't, we didn't grow up that way. No, no. no nobody cared if we wore helmets as children, <laughs> but um, it, it, there really are a lot of head injuries for biking. And as soon as you pull those out, and our skills might be a little bit rusty at the beginning of the year, especially. Um, and vehicles are not used to looking for bicyclists early on in the season as well. So it's especially point, important yeah. to you know wear a helmet and be especially aware and patient um, when you're getting those activities started. That's a, that's a good good advice, and uh, hopefully we'll have an uneventful first nice day. But I can't make that promise. Um, now I would I will get in trouble with Mark Willis and Dr. Matthew if I don't mention the rehabilitation and, and the the awards and the certifications they have. Can you tell us a little bit about the success of Six West Rehabilitation here at St. Luke's? Mm, mm-hmm. Our nursing staff second to none. They are nationally certified as rehab nurses. Um, they have you know all of the extra training in in these areas. We have. Um, quite a number of our nurses and therapists who are certified brain injury specialists. Um, so they've gone that extra step to know how to treat and work with individuals who have brain injuries. Um, some of the most difficult things right off the bat when somebody's in the hospital and on a unit like Six West is that frequently the individuals who have the brain injury are not aware that they're having difficulties and they may not fully be aware that they need to participate in the therapies and you know that they have limitations. And so it does take an individual to truly understand how to work with somebody who may not be completely in agreement with everything that's necessary to improve. Um, luckily, that phase is usually fairly short, and then the person will start to gain awareness and understanding. Um, but in the meantime, it takes a special person to be able to have the patients and work with and you know collaborate with individuals who may not be on the same page initially. Well, I'll definitely say this, and I've said this on a previous podcast, Six West has the happiest staff. <laughs> everybody's optimistic, everybody's, yeah, yeah, it really is. When you walk up there, everybody's yeah. always in a good mood, they're positive, yeah. uh, and I think, you know, it, it, I should do a podcast on something. You see certain personalities go into certain specialties, right? You know, and I think just upbeat, positive people end up on Six West Rehab and treating mm-hmm. those, treating the patients. Uh, but before we wrap up, one 
question that all the guests get for the most part all the guests why neuropsychology why did you go into neuropsych and uh, how did you end up here <laughs> um by accident no um actually i started off my associate's degree was actually law enforcement oh wow yeah so but i had psychology as a minor and um as i was going i ended up just liking it and taking more and more because it was interesting and ended up eventually training with a neuropsychologist in grad school and went this is where i belong um and a lot of it it's the puzzle the brain is amazing and it does so many amazing things and we don't completely at this point even understand all of what it does and how it does it um and so to me it's fascinating to watch right. it works and um, you know how to help treat it when it's not working well, and so it's a, it's a very fascinating aspect in my opinion. Um, so I've been doing this for over twenty years, and I'm lucky enough that I still actually find it fascinating and enjoyable. Well, that's great. I mean, we we are so lucky to have the neuropsych team that we have. Uh, because that is a rare service line to provide and the extensiveness that we have and the team that we have uh, is impressive. Uh, and other affiliates in Union Point Health, I know, are quite jealous, quite honestly, of, of that capacity we have. Well, thank you for joining me. This is Dr. Volbrick. She's with uh, the Neuropsych program here at St. Luke's. This has been great information. Again, uh, March is Brain Injury Awareness Month. And for more information about brain injuries and treatment at St. Luke's, call St. Luke's Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at 319-369-7331. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.